Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another fun episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are doing the last of our horror-themed episodes of our movie matchup series. We are tackling slashers today. And as always, I am joined by the wrestler, yes, sir, Gaston. Great muffins, cinema fans. I'm back again. And when I'm not <laughs> posting pictures on my profile of me kicking people in the face, I'm chilling back, maxing, relaxing, and watching and reviewing movies. Hope everybody's doing awesome. And also joined by the resident Robin of the podcast, Heather. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for joining. And finally, joined by the candy bar that is in human form, Devin. Hey, thanks for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice. Hope you guys are ready for a roller coaster ride because I don't have anything to complete that statement. See, that was like a roller coaster within itself. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Like I said, we are tackling slashers today, as we have put up on the Facebook a couple of times. We are going to go into our picks out of Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Child's Play, Scream, Psycho, and Candyman. And we're going to start this one off with Devin. Well, well, well. Lucky boy here. I get to go first. All right. So I'm not going to go through this entire list. I'm going to just start to tell you what I think is the best and a few I eliminated from this list uh, for what reasons. And then we'll get this gravy train rolling. So um, a lot of people will obviously go to Psycho um, as, you know, their their main. So, so as soon as somebody talks about slashes or horror films, they go to Psycho. But I'm actually striking this from my own list because I believe that Psycho is transcendent. Um, I believe that Psycho is um, beyond the horror genre, uh, beyond a sub genre. Uh, it is one of the greatest movies ever made. And even though it's decades and decades old, it still holds up still today. Um, Psycho is actually <laughs> uh, such a cultural phenomenon. It's probably responsible for the negative um images and the stigma uh, that's associated with people who have mental illnesses such as schizophrenia while they're viewed as uh, violent uh, closet freaks who could lash out and kill anyone um, at any time uh, is a lot because of psycho and movies like it. And so not only can you feel its effects uh, through after, you know, like Hitchcock's direction and things like that, but its effects in society. Uh, and so to put that movie in this, I understand why it's here, but I really do think it just kind of transcends everything. Um, a lot of these other movies, I feel, have somewhat textbook villains. Um, and besides Candyman, the villains really aren't sympathetic. Uh, but the one villain that I feel in all of this that really rounds out and makes the franchise different for me is uh Friday the 13th um mainly because it's something that you just didn't see a lot when it came to slashers um one with the ending it turning out to be Jason's mother who was actually doing all the killings um you know she was taking revenge for the death of her uh speaking of mentally unstable or or mentally disabled her uh, mentally and physically deformed child who was left to drown while those damn teenagers was smoking their doobies and drinking their liquors and having their premarital sex. Um, I think that it, <laughs> there's something very um, line pushing 
and and very uh, aggressive about choosing to make a woman the main killer of a movie and and creating these committing these really brutal acts of murder in the film. Um, and not to mention of what it spawned, one of the greatest uh, spirits of vengeance, one of the greatest specters, one of the greatest killers in cinema history, uh, Jason Voorhees. Um, you know, I, I spoke about this is they're both very sympathetic characters because you understand her motivations. She's literally getting vengeance on the people who let her kid die instead of doing their job. Uh, me working with children, I could understand uh, somebody's rage at that. And then Jason coming back to life was in response of not them letting him die, but then actually decapitating his mother. Uh, and, you know, it's a family affair. The Friday 13th, the 13th movies, you know, there's stuff that goes on with his brother. And I think that's why Jason to me is, is the best slasher, because when it comes right down to it, he's a, a little boy who, who tragically died and drowned. Um, who simply came back because he couldn't let rest that his mother was killed also by the same people who let him die. Uh, And I think there's something kind of beautiful in that story. And every time he kills someone or does these acts, he never mentally developed enough to be able to ration, you know, to, to rationalize, to say, Hey, these aren't the people who hurt me. These aren't the people who left me. Um, to die. They're all just the same to him. He's just stuck in this, this cycle of vengeance uh, for, for eternity. And I think that's something that's just amazing about Jason and that character in that franchise, because there's just so many moments where he reverts, like when Jason goes to New York and he's in the sewer and he gets his mask um, kicked off his face. You know, he's all disfigured and rotting and He's pulling the girl's uh, leg because the water's coming and he's so scared. He's just like, mommy, 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 don't let the water get me. Don't let it kill me. He's still that child in all of that muscle, all that mask, all that death, all that danger. He's still that little child. Uh, when when he when you hear that, that's what his mother was saying at the beginning of the movie, t- telling him from beyond the grave or speaking to him beyond the grave to kill those counselors. So he's just this endlessly tormented uh, little boy who uh, who went through traumas you can't even imagine. And and a lot of these killers like Freddie, Chucky, even Candyman. I mean, that guy, you know, you got to get over this at some point in time. And Leatherface, these guys are just killers. They were just killers who killed even Michael Myers. He was just one Halloween as a little boy. I'm just going to just stab my sister to death. Evil uh, without reason is great, but having somebody as fleshed out as Jason, I think really makes that that, that slasher uh, stand out. So that's my favorite. Uh, and that's the best to me. Heather. Yeah, that is, um, that is a good choice, Devin. I approve for me. <clears throat> I'm actually going to say um, nightmare on Elm street is mine for sure. Um, it's just always been a film that scared me even as a kid. And yeah, for whatever reason, my parents were okay with me watching this as a kid. <laughs> so of course, you know, there were many nights when I couldn't fall asleep because I was a kid and I had just seen this movie. And maybe it's just because of, you know, seeing it at such a young age and having seen it more than once. Maybe I just, I just remember the feeling of how scared that movie made me. But um, I, I just, I have to go with this because Freddy Krueger is just 
he's literally like the stuff of nightmares. You know, he, the idea of somebody that, um, you know, is invading your dreams and is able to kill you um, through your dreams. It's just really terrifying, you know, the whole concept of that and um, uh, the way that he can change and control the dreams and just the pure pleasure that you see that he gets from taunting and killing them. It's incredibly disturbing. And I think it's, um, I think it's why just so many people remember Freddy Krueger and remember the movie, um, the glove of razors that he had, you know, it's just, I just remember a scene where they're scraping across the wall or you see the shadow of like the long razors on the glove. And it's really, it just sticks with me, you know? And, um, you know, the fact that he's a child murderer, you know, and that's what he was accused of and that's what he had done. It's, that's one of the most awful things that you can think of. And it just adds to the creepiness of, you know, who he is and he's, continuing to just torment people beyond something that's like the worst thing you can imagine happening. So I I just feel like it really set a high bar of what horror was going forward because everyone knows Freddy Krueger. Uh, they remember, you know, th- just how horrifying he is and so much that they even made, you know, eight, eight, I think total movies in that franchise and they did reboots of it. It's just always going to be something that is a scary idea of a villain who you can't escape because he's in your dreams all the time, no matter what. And that concept in itself is just truly terrifying, honestly. So for me, that's definitely going to be my choice for best and my favorite um, slasher film for sure. Justin. Awesome. And those are both, um, Great choices, guys. Um, I love both of those choices. This was a tough one for me because I battled with a lot of things trying to make um, my choice and narrow it down to just one film because all of these films really are considered classics. Most of them are listed in people's list of movies you have to see before you die. Uh, All of these are considered horror classics and all of these are considered pound for pound your best collection of slasher films. So when I'm looking at this, and there's something that I noticed just about even our fan responses that we got when we posted this on Facebook, but it seems like when we're asking, okay, what is the best slasher film? Sometimes I feel like that word film gets kind of replaced with who is the best slasher character. When a lot of people are given their responses or their answers to this question, I feel like a lot of people are leaning on which character they like the best. They're talking about Jason and they're saying, well, because of that tragic story, that's why I pick him. Or because of his killing style, how he could put you in a sleeping bag or how he'd be on a um, punch a boxer's head off on top of a building or the way that Freddie always had these clever quips and how he would come up with these hilarious lines as he's doing something awful to somebody. And they're talking about these characters, or they talk about Leatherface, and he's this big, imposing figure and that mask made out of skin, and he's coming at you with that trademark chainsaw. So I feel like a lot of people are basing their decision on what the best slasher is, is based on what character they found most terrifying, or in this case, most appealing. But for me, I had to look beyond that and ask myself, okay, well, 
what is the best film? And when you're talking about a film, you're not just talking about a character. You're talking about the camera angles. You're talking about art direction. You're talking about what set the mood. You're talking about what was paced well. All of those things have to come into play. What was the critic reception? What was the fan reception? How did this film do at the box office? I feel like you have to sometimes take yourself out of what you like as far as a character. And then you got to look at the whole thing as a film and say, okay, which one is the absolute best? So when it came to me and I looked at uh, some of these films, I went back and I rewatched them. Um, I definitely agree with Devin on what he said about Psycho. Psycho is kind of like that transcendent movie. It definitely deserves to be here. It definitely is one of the all-time best slashes. But I feel like when um, Psycho is great, even without the whole slasher aspect, if the character Norman Bates was killing people by choking them with a wire, you would still have an effective film because the story of it is great. The story about Norman Bates and why he's doing this and um, how he killed his mother and how that drove him to madness. That story is good with or without the slasher aspect of it. But when I think about slasher films, there are rules that these things follow. There are There's a methodology to calling a film a slasher. There are certain things that elements and things that are synonymous with slashes. And I feel like you don't always have to be the first to do something the best. And so for me, Halloween takes this by a narrow, by the narrowest of margins. I'm my champion is Halloween. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like when you're talking about a slasher film, it it has done it the best. It, it has done the best job of delivering what we define as a slasher. To start off, the opening scene of Halloween is probably, you could argue, one of the greatest opening scenes to any slasher movie. That continuous shot, that pan and camera of this first-person view of a young Michael Myers and then him sneaking and stalking and watching um his sister get done with a with a with a little hanky panky upstairs with her boyfriend or whatever the walk of the boyfriend down the stairs and then we're seeing the viewpoint of michael myers through these two eye holes and he goes upstairs and he's stabbing his sister in first person that scene putting you in the the footsteps putting you in the viewpoint of the killer is an innovative scene that really is something is a formula that is used in slashers and horror movies even today that first person view of somebody stalking looking at their prey looking at the victims halloween set that precedent and halloween in my opinion still stands the test of time it still does that well even when you watch the movie today seeing michael myers looking out of these windows and that constant breathing and that unpredictability of where is he going to turn up? And it never was quite where you thought he was going to pop out. The concept of um, of over-the-shoulder scares or somebody suddenly being off camera and then suddenly appearing in the camera. A lot of these concepts were popularized with Halloween. And like I said, it wasn't necessarily the first film to do it, but 
it did it so well in this movie because you just never quite knew when Michael Myers was going to get the victim. This is the first film to give one of the horror killers a theme song. Now, the I don't know about you or any of the listeners out there, but the Michael Myers theme song is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. There have been so many remakes. There have been so many versions of that song. But that song is intense. And you know automatically that something troubling is coming your way. It was such a great song. It was so great at building the tension. And when you listen to that song, you can almost feel Michael Myers coming. You can feel him stalking you you can feel you can hear that breathing you can hear him approaching and then that moment of truth and then bam he's on you so i feel like this movie everything the checklist of what a slasher needs to be is there the body count is there killing um killing young people who are having promiscuous sex and doing substance abuse it's there the trope of the Final surviving female going through that trial and evidently being the survivor is there. But this film did it better because we get small glimpses of who Michael Myers is through the psychiatrist that's also in the film. So as we're seeing going through this adventure with Michael Myers and on this killing spree, we're learning a little bit more and more about the madness of this child, how he started that way as a child, and how. Nobody could change him. Nothing could change. And it really is synonymous with this unstoppable killing machine that's coming after you. And so many other movies copied that. So many other movies have these formulas. Scream, which is also listed here, is really a movie based on kind of making fun of or making a satire of many of the tropes and elements that Halloween popularized. So I think that when it's all said and done, if you're going to ask me what is the best slasher character, I'm going to probably say Jason or Freddy Krueger because I love those. Uh, you know, personally, those are my two favorites. But if you're going to ask me what is the best slasher film, Halloween was not the first, but boy, did it establish a president that popularized the slasher films that we know today. All right. And finally me. Now, I'm not going to say you guys are wrong, but I'm going to say you guys are wrong. Um, Well, yes, I mean, we're all kind of in agreement on Psycho. Yes, it's more of that transcendentness of it all. And I mean, it is the first. It is the, you know, the godfather of essentially slasher movies. It started it all. And then, like Justin said, um, the Halloween movies kind of brought it back. Like, that's what brought the now like the modern version of the slasher movie that is responsible because of Halloween. Um, but you know, when it comes down to it, where I think you guys are missing something is the methodical breakdown, um, psychologically as well as physically, emotionally, and eventually in, you know, the breakdown of someone's life that my movie brings to this, which is Candyman. Um, Candyman is, to me, the best, it it has all these aspects of these other movies, but it kind of, it tweaks them and does it a little better. You get like the, the slightest hint of a backstory for Tony Todd's character, the Candyman. Um, you get just enough of his motivations to kind of justify what his character does, but 
it doesn't dwell on it that long. Like it doesn't just try to like force his reasoning down your throat the whole time, because I'm going to argue that by the end of the movie or while he is the candy man, he's no longer the person that he was whenever he was a slave that was killed. You know, any lasting uh, human emotion or humanity that that character may have had at that point is gone. Um, it also has my favorite death scene uh, to touch on what Justin was talking about. Like when you're talking like body count and kills and all this other stuff to me, the killings scenes for the most part in Halloween were a little boring um, with the exception of like you were talking about the first person one. Other than that, they are like a little dull to me, uh, especially when you do compare them to like a Friday the 13th or especially the later ones with Jason and and, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street ones. But you get the 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 kill scene where that guy is sitting across the desk from uh um Virginia Madison's character and he just hooks into that guy and just starts ripping him in half. It's that perfect combination of practical effects and surprise. Like you're not really expecting mm-hmm. it at that moment and he just rips into that guy and just decimates him and I love it. But to go what I was talking about earlier, we did have a Cinefan comment on uh one of our posts and he was talking about Candyman and about how it was boring and slowly paced and all this other stuff. And I'm gonna argue why that's not the case. And I'm doing that now because it's one of my favorite things about the film. To me, the movie's not slow. And maybe it's because I watched this movie when it fucking came out in 1992. Is it's not slow. That movie is it, it's incredibly, incredibly methodical and deliberately paced. That movie is built around the psychological deconstruction and just ripping apart the psyche of Virginia Madison's character. It's every minute of film is just another minute of her losing her fucking mind. Like they really go into like they really dedicate themselves to in the story, at least to having you wonder, is the candy man real or is it Virginia Madison killing people because she's psychologically fucked? You know, that is a big part of the first movie. You don't have 100 percent confirmation of that for a big chunk of the movie. It really is all about her slow descent into madness. And it's just so methodical about it. It's it, it doesn't feel like and to me, that's what's the difference between, say, like boring or poorly paced versus this, where this is so deliberate. Like it wasn't like it's very intentional, those gaps in between kills. It's very intentional, those gaps between, you know, the big reveals or learning something or something, something like that, because it's it's all about breaking down the psyche of the main character. And they go, they go to a great length to where you you see and you feel every bit of her breakdown, just bit by bit. Every little sliver of her soul that is cut away throughout that movie, you see it and you feel it every fucking time it happens. And I mean, on top of that, it's Tony Todd. Tony Todd's amazing. I mean, this is really his kind of introduction into all this stuff. And I mean, he's like ubiquitous, ubiquitously intertwined with it all now because of like his voice alone makes him like a horror movie icon without even like seeing him. His voice alone resonates with people, especially in the horror genre. I mean, that's why they have him be the the mortician character in the the Final Destination movies, because like his voice sounds like the embodiment of the Grim Reaper, like his voice. If you were like, oh, what's the Grim Reaper sound like? It sounds like Tony Todd. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and to top it all off, too, it's based in Chicago, where I moved to. I mean, Caprini Green is no longer a place, you know, gentrification and all. But I mean, it's here and it's just one of those things that like it's not a real like it's it's got that urban legend feel to it, which is a whole the point of the movie and the character. But it's not an actual real urban legend. There, there was no real thing with it. 
And another little tidbit of trivia that just makes it that much better about everything. Those scenes where Tony Todd has bees in his mouth and everything like that, that's real. He actually does have just dozens of bees in his mouth. Uh, he got stung a stupid amount of times and they had to like medically treat him a lot because of this. But yes, he had bees in his mouth, like live venomous bees that were ready to sting him in his mouth for those scenes. Like anytime you see bees in the film, those are real bees. None of it's added. None of it's faked. Those are 100% real could kill somebody bees. And he has them just in his mouth. And that dedication alone to that character kind of steps up the fear uh, quoting with it all. Because, I mean, they're in a lot of ways, because like if you do get stung enough times, you can't develop an allergy to it and the next one could kill you. And he's still shoving them in his mouth just to get the perfect creepy scene for that movie and he did it and that's what was so amazing and plus like i feel the story of the Candyman, the legend that they built into this movie is more fleshed out than a lot of these other movies you get like i said you get the slightest hint of his motivations but it's not enough to like bore you with it you just get enough to justify why his character does what he does and then he just goes from there everything else is just new and i think that's Candyman is the one that kind of kept the slasher genre alive. All these other movies were kind of making sequels and they were feeling repetitive and dull. And 1992 comes along and Candyman kind of reinvigorates things by actually doing things that these other movies aren't doing. Well, all I have to say to that is... If that was Nicolas Cage, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not the bees. Why is it Wicker Man on this list? That's the real question. Oh, the oh my God, the Wicker. Oh my God, the Wicker Man. I had to. Sterling. Oh, gold, you start talking about those gold. bees, man. That's all I could think of, and I had to do that. But good points, man. Um, I do want to say something to Justin um, yeah. about as far as films. Uh, when it comes to the slasher genre, I do believe that the slasher is the most important ingredient to the film. Uh, that's why Psycho, like you said, is above this because he could have um, Norman Bates could have been poisoning people. He could have been strangling them. He could have been burning them alive. He could have been doing a multitude of things and it. It wouldn't have mattered. Uh, but these characters are the main crux of it. A lot of reasons why slashers began to fail because they didn't have compelling slashers. They didn't have compelling killers. And while I will agree with you on that as a film, I believe that um, Halloween is probably the most superior of the products to me uh, as far as a slasher is concerned. Uh, it, it just has to be Jason who, who is the best at it and the best at doing this and, and the and the one who carries that that film that carries his franchises. I mean, where has Jason not gone? He's gone to Crystal Lake. He's gone to <laughs> New York. He's gone into space. It's a space. Where has Jason? Not, he's gone. He's gone into your He's gone into your video game console. He's gone to hell. I mean, where <laughs> has he not gone? Where has he not traveled? Where and and so I think that's the cool thing about a slasher genre. I, I think 
this is one of the only times I actually went ahead and was like, I'm not going to be objective about this because I'm going to talk about the best killer in this because in the slasher genre, I mean, how many movies have we seen? Do you guys remember uh, Eddie Sickle? Did you guys remember? Oh my God. Uh, do you guys remember Dr. Giggles? Do you remember the stepdad? Do you remember <laughs> just, uh, just, you know, Dr. do you remember Giggles. all of the failed slashers? Because they were just so gimmicky and so hokey. And I think this genre, in order to be even considered in this conversation, you have to have a, a compelling slasher. And even though the quality of the films decline, I think Jason is still held in high regard, whereas Michael Myers and Halloween movies up until this newest installment, which I haven't seen, but I'm super excited because it's like 87 percent uh, with critics and like 70 something percent with fans. I am so pumped to see this movie this week. Yeah, me too. Cannot wait to see it. Yeah. But Michael Myers just doesn't have the 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 doesn't carry the aura that he used to. Jason just recently got a video game made of him and he hasn't had a film come out in hella. And I think that says something about how that character was constructed. There's something that's just so iconic and powerful about him, you know, with that hockey mask and that machete. It it it, it speaks to people in some way, and and, and that's why, you know, um, I didn't put Halloween as my favorite uh, or as the best film uh, because I think in this case, objectivity is not necessary. This genre is built on your titular villain in the case of this argument. That's a solid point. That's a solid point. And not even really to argue, but just say something about it. I just, um, you know, personally speaking, Jason is my favorite slasher killer. I love the way Jason kills people. I mean, as morbid as that sounds, he's the most, to (laughs) me, he's the most entertaining He's the most entertaining killer. Like, Freddy is cool, but sometimes I found myself laughing at Freddy. I didn't really feel scared of him. I don't know. I feel like over time, and not saying because the original movie sets a great spooky tone, but I think over time, um, Freddy became, I don't know, he's not as scary as he is funny or innovative or creative. I, I don't know. He's awesome, but. Not for the the reasons for for me, he's awesome, but it's like he's awesome for the wrong reasons, not the ones where it's scary right. and intimidating. And it's like, man, but Jason, man, I mean, grabbing somebody in a sleeping bag and then just beating them up against a tree. I mean, there's just something about just how horrific and unstoppable yeah. Jason Jason is. But I feel like at the end of the day, And what really just made me go with Halloween at the end of the day is that I still feel like Jason is Michael Myers 2.0. You know, he's like that. He's like window, like if anything, Michael Myers is like Windows 95 and Jason is like Windows 2000. You know, it's a big, imposing figure. His mask is is a hockey mask, so it's a more practical mask. Michael Myers was just a ma- a Halloween mask he's got at a store. So Jason has a stronger, more durable mask. Jason has a machete. It's longer, a little bit sharper. Michael Myers has the knife. knife. Yeah, and Michael Myers has the butcher knife. So I just kind of feel like that's what it is. But to me, 
I started looking at the films and I was like, man, the stuff in the Michael Myers films, a character seeing Michael Myers and then looking again and then him not being there. Just little things like that that are all up in the Jason films and in the Freddy films and in the other films. I I just had to give credit to that because it did it first. The first person view of stalking somebody and looking at them and all these different viewpoints and a guy looks at a closet he Michael Myers isn't in there. A guy looks over here, a door opens, and then he shuts the door, looks outside, nobody's out there. Then he opens the cupboard, and oh, Michael Myers is there. And then there's that dramatic music that when he comes out or whatever. Uh, I mean, that's Halloween, man. Like, I mean, anything that you liked, a lot of the things that you said you liked about Jason, Halloween did it first. So I just feel like I had to give it that credit. But no, I totally love Jason more, though. Like, really? Like, personally? (laughs) Dude, I'm taking Jason. If this was a fight, if I had to pick somebody on a team, I'm definitely picking Jason before Michael Myers. So, yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. I will just kind of add to that that um, I do agree with your point about, like, just how um, there's something just interesting and unique about the the villain who is so memorable and so like just well known and just so good and infamous without words there's something about that that's really kind of cool about a villain but i will say that i think the reason why i actually think freddy krueger is more creepy is because he knows how to have that like charismatic whatever the way he talks and the way he's funny and the way he is is just, you feel like there's just something really wrong with him in his mind to just the things <laughs> he finds funny and the things that he says and the creepy and Welcome like snake like, <laughs> and like just the snake like way that he speaks and does things. Like it's just that to me is kind of what makes him. Um, that different level of creepy. Although I do agree there's something to be said for like that unique, like, you know, Jason and, you know, Michael Myers, they don't say words and they are just the most terrifying villains. But Freddy Krueger, it's, he's like that, that snake like figure of just creepiness, you know? So I think for me, that's why I was like, this dude completely terrifies me more than the others, you know? Oh, yeah. And and I agree with you. Like, uh, Fred, I know why. I mean, I definitely understand why anybody or and especially why you picked Freddie, because really, when you look at all of them, like for like, I feel like Jason is my personal favorite. But Freddie is an awesome creation. I mean, when you just look at him, the character design, the burnt. Yeah. Mulched skin, the the claw that he has is awesome. It's iconic. I mean, you don't even have to see a picture of Freddy. You just have to see a picture of that claw and you know whose claw that is. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, who he sure. is. And yeah, I totally agree with you. He probably, out of all of these characters, is the most iconic out of all of them. I mean, you could argue he is the most iconic. Out of all of these characters. And then just the fact that you can't, there's no way to escape him. So I can definitely understand how scary that could be because at the end of the day, everybody has to go to sleep. So there is that, that just that. So as a kid, I just remember going, man, 
you know, if you go to sleep, you're dead. Wow, everybody has to sleep. So eventually you're just dead. I mean, you know, so it's right. there's, so <laughs> yeah. there's so there's definitely like a an inescapable sort of factor with Freddie. And yeah, he's easily the most creative, most innovative, and probably the most iconic slasher that there and he is knows it definitely too. he knows he's inescapable you could tell yeah. he knows it he's just kind of like got that grin of evil of like yeah this is just what it is so you know yeah. like you just, he knows he just knows that he is that inescapable force you know yeah and i guess when it comes to michael myers it's just more of you know uh, sometimes realism Sometimes it's just a little more scary than the fantasy. And it's just, man, that breathing, man, looking at you, peeping at you through windows, following you around, breathing heavy, not saying anything, and then eventually sneaking up with on you when you least expect it and killing you. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, when you read about crime scenes and murders and stuff like that, the, that just... To me, that's closer to home because that is just stuff that really happens to people. There are people that stalk people. There are people that do. There are peeping Tom killers and uh, there are home invaders that come into people's home and stab. So I feel like what makes somebody like Michael Myers scary isn't the same thing that makes somebody like Jason scary or isn't the same thing that makes... um, somebody like especially freddy scary i feel like if you're a less is more type of person if you're somebody who likes your villain or your killer more grounded then definitely michael myers i mean he was a kid that killed went to a psychiatric ward escaped the psychiatric ward you know there's nothing supernatural about him it's just this crazy kid who was who was like that at a young age and then went on so if you're more of a um, a bare bones, less is more type practical. of person. Yeah, practical. You can the the practicality of him scares you, but with somebody like yeah. Jason or Freddie, didn't didn't he get his head cut off with an axe and come back to life later? Yeah, wasn't uh. <laughs> <laughs> he shot? Like, but before that, yeah, he was shot several times too. Like at yeah, point he was shot range. several times. Yeah. But he just survives for some reason because he's big. They don't ever explain that. <laughs> they don't ever explain that. Oh, they do. And I'm going to get into that in a second. <laughs> oh, they do explain that he's a ghost or something later. Well, it didn't start that way. Like, and since we're comparing just, I'm just, but I'm just talking about this film, you know, the. The original. Yeah. He's the more, yeah, he's the more practical one. But something like. Freddie or Jason to me, especially Freddie, is just super creative. He's far left on that fantasy side, but still awesome, you know, still scary in his own right. So I don't know. I guess it's just, you know, that's what I feel when I look at them or try to compare them. So. And it's interesting that you say that he's creative because I was um, I was reading this article about Wes Craven, you know, who created him, obviously, and just all the different influences that made him become Freddy Krueger. You know, like, oh, a childhood um, bully that he knew and this homeless man with a disfigured face and just all of these things. And um, there was some, I think it was a book or something called Dreamcatcher and just all of these things that he 
you know, used to create this character. And I think that is why he is so creative. And I think that's interesting that, you know, you can just really see all the influences that he pulled when he created this terrifying figure that everybody knows. Even if you haven't seen the movies, you know who he is. You know what I mean? So, um, but also... I, I am a big fan of, you know, a story and a reason why a killer is a killer and things like that, which is why, you know, Sterling, I I agree on your point about, you know, Candyman and his backstory. I agree with that, too, because it, you, you get a little bit more, you know, motive or reason and just who he is as a character and why why he is that way more so than some of the other ones. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's not necessarily true because of Jason and everything, but, you know, I guess a little bit more upfront, you get that, you know? So it's, um, I don't know. So I, I see all the points. Like, I think you really can't go wrong with any of these choices. So, well, to kind of tie in what Devin and Jess were saying earlier, you know, when Justin's talking about how, you know, it's the original film and all this other stuff and, you know, not bringing in the sequels. And, you know, Devin was talking about bringing in the sequels. The one thing that I really think, affects the Halloween movies in a negative way is just the sheer fact that there's what eight of those movies and one of them's good and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that that directing yeah. and that yeah, that it took a sharp turn. It's the next kind of good one is H2O and it's just kinda good. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. putting it that's putting it that's being generous. <laughs> I mean you can you can say whatever you want about the Friday the 13th movies, but like Devin was saying, the first one's the mother. Jason is, you know, in the second one, but he's wearing the burlap sack. He didn't even become the iconic Jason until the third one where he gets the hockey mask. And I'm going to argue, though, that some of the sequels are even still better than that. Like when you get to Jason Takes Manhattan has my favorite death scene in any Friday the 13th movie ever. <laughs> and as time passes, I've actually grown more fond of Jason X just for the sheer fact that they just went balls to the wall stupid with it. That'll do it. And it's fun. <laughs> oh, that is, that is the greatest line That'll in cinema it. history. When that, that fucking guy gets stabbed and he's like, oh, it'll take more than that to kill an old dog like me or whatever the fuck he says there. Because that part doesn't <laughs> matter. And then Jason stabs him again and he goes, that'll do it. That's the greatest fucking thing that's ever happened. <laughs> that is right. That is right up there with the voodoo shark plot line that could have been in Jaws Revenge. I did laugh on that. <laughs> that <laughs> line alone should have won that movie an Academy Award for best fucking uh, screenwriting. It was fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with you, though, dude. Like, yeah, as a franchise, if we're arguing franchises, no way Halloween wins that. No way. And I mean, to even get into some of these, uh, to get into some of these other ones, the Friday, or the the Nightmare on Elm Street movies really started to lose their way with Dream Warrior and stuff like that. But the, I mean, whenever Wes Craven or when, you know, when Wes Craven came back and did a new nightmare, God, that reinvigorated that series. I mean, a new nightmare is fucking great. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even when you look at like Scream, Scream 2 is not that bad. I mean, I think Scream 2 is fairly decent for what it is. I mean, yeah, Scream 3 is garbage. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to say this too. Scream 4 is an utter piece of shit. Fuck that <laughs> movie too. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first Scream is good though. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, and we'll, get, we'll get into that in a second. But like, I'm just kind of lightly touching on just these as a franchise as a whole. I'm going to argue that Child's Play actually gets better over time because I am not actually a fan of the first Child's Play. I 
think it's pretty garbage. But when you get into Bride of Chucky. Oh, I love it. Bride of Chucky is amazing. Bride of Chucky goes just insanely meta. Yeah, Bride of Chucky was crazy. <laughs> and it, it, it says fuck it to everything and just gives you all the blood and gore you could want from a movie like this. But it's actually filled with genuinely funny moments in it, too. Um, and I even think Seed of Chucky has some merits in it just for the sheer fact that, A, you have two dolls fucking and getting a doll baby. You get the whole <laughs> subplot with John Waters and, 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 and them killing John Waters. You get Jennifer Tilly being uh, the, the bride and the surrogate person at the same time. I loved that. I don't know why. I can't tell you why, <laughs> but I loved it. Um, but I think the first child's play is just garbage. It just kind of the one redeeming factor of it is the fact that it kind of takes something that's real for at the time, like growing up. I, I mean, I'm not, I had a, my little buddy doll growing up. So having something like the Chucky doll, you know, be a violent killer is a novel concept because it's something that, you know, at least adolescent white males could identify with. And, but it just still wasn't good. Um, but I mean, the Halloween movies are just garbage after that. They just descend into utter fucking shit after that first one. I mean, the second one, you guys were talking about how Michael Myers got his head cut off and came back. Well, that's kind of true, except for the fact that it was a cop or is a paramedic that Michael Myers had kidnapped, put his mask on and she cut his head off. Um, but when you get into, I want to say Michael, I want to say it's Halloween five or six. It's the curse of Michael Myers. They get into the fact that his like family was cursed by like a Druidian curse or some random fucking bullshit like that. And that's yeah. why he's kind of supernaturally strong and can get shot and everything mm -hmm. like that and, you know, survive it. And he's trying to kill his family because that's the only way to end the curse. And I think if he ends the curse, he saves the world or something. Yeah, it's dumb. What? <laughs> Jesus, God, Jesus, what the fuck? So they're terrible. trying to make wow. him into a hero? That's what's happening wow. here? It's he's terrible. The, he's the first Thanos, it's Michael terrible. Myers, the first Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I'm only like 10% right, it's still shitty. Um, it's it, it is just so bad as it goes on. And it's like, they, it's for whatever reason, the Halloween movies had to keep justifying why Michael Myers was still a thing. Because like I said, it's either movie five or six where they're like, it's a curse. That's why he's supernaturally strong. Like it took you five <laughs> movies to fucking get to that. At least Jason justifies it within the second movie. The first movie he's in because he's coming back from the dead then initially. So any damage he takes and keeps on ticking is justified from the moment he's on screen. They have to. They, it took them five Jason movies to go. Could he still keep going like this? No. <laughs> he should have died already. Huh. Michael Myers. Well, <laughs> Real quick Game of Thrones fan theory. Jason Voorhees is the drowned god. What is dead can ever die? Hmm. Interesting. Sure. Why not? I'll let's <laughs> let's roll with that. Why? Why not? Um, but I mean, the only franchise I think that competes with Halloween with shittiness quality and sequels is maybe Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. Because at least when you get into the Candyman sequels, while well, they are garbage, at least you still get some more Tony Todd. I mean, that's at least a plus. <laughs> yeah, you get some awesome. Tony Todd as the Candyman, so that's a plus. So in the Halloween and in, in the the in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels, you just get 
this silent fuck or this grunting fuck and doing more of the same shit and being stupider and stupider while they do it. Yeah. Like, man, I mean, there's no redeeming factors in it. And it's funny because like when we posted this um, stuff on Facebook, Texas Chainsaw was getting a lot of votes, man. And I was I'm like, just well, about to say that. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. well, is it? I wonder, is it? Is that like a Texas thing? Like we support it because Texas is in the title, and the story is loosely based on something that happened in Texas. But I noticed that it gets a lot of votes. It's beautifully shot. I mean, the film from a technical aspect is beautifully shot. There are some great shots in it. But other than that, man, stuff is just kind of happening. It doesn't develop any characters. You don't care about anybody. <laughs> They're just kind of going into this house and getting killed and grunt. And like you said, there's a lot of grunting and ah, ah. But there's some beautiful shots, like, and there's some scary imagery. But beyond that, I just couldn't pick it. But it gets a lot of votes, man. A lot of votes. Well, okay. Since you did bring that up and like, since I was kind of talking about some of these other ones, I did want to kind of talk like have just of these other four, like, which would you like other ones you would like bring up as maybe an honorable mention or just something of, of these other movies you want to give a shout out to. But with that, I did want to bring up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I was saving that one because of the, like you said, the, the surprising amount of fandom that movie has. And I want to call that out because and you brought this up too, and this is why I'm calling it out. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, while it has always stated it's inspired by a true story and everything like that, a lot of people, for whatever reason, still now feel like it has something to do with the state of Texas mm. or that this was related to something to have to do with the state of Texas. It doesn't. You're all wrong. Quit fucking saying that. It's based on Ed Gein, who was in Wisconsin. Okay. He war people's faces most of the people he dug up from the ground you know he dug up like from a graveyard he didn't actually kill that many people if i'm remembering correctly he only killed two but it, the texas chainsaw massacre none of it is really true other than the the, the leather face aspect of it the, yeah. the wearing a human face on your face that's the only aspect that's true and none of it happened in texas toby hooper was from texas so he just made it a texas thing that's it <laughs> and wow. a lot of people still think it's real I remember when the, the reboot came out with Jessica Biel. We we worked at the movie theater at the time, Justin. I don't know if you were there at that time, Devin, but I know me and Justin were. Um, we previewed it. Okay. And there was this guy. There was this guy, and I don't remember his last name, but I'm going to call him out by his first name because I don't think he fucking listens to this, and I really don't care. But his name was Austin. And they did the reboot, and they had, like, those audio recordings at the beginning and end of the movie. Yes. My uncle was one of those cops there. Really? Really? At the fucking thing that never happened. Your your uncle was a cop at the fucking thing that never happened? <laughs> what a turd. What an whatever, idiot. What a whatever maroon. reason, if I, I'll give, I'll give wow. credit to Texas Chainsaw Massacre that it tricked just thousands and thousands of people into actually thinking something that's not real, yeah. but it's done that. And that's the only thing I'll really give it credit for. Because other than that, I think the franchise is garbage. Um, I, I do agree <laughs> with you. Technically speaking, a lot of things in the first movie were great. That end on the oh, yeah, uh, on that road when swinging that chainsaw around. Yes, yeah, oh, that that's is a, a beautiful scene. Yes, it's beautiful. Fucking great. Or like when they're running in the field, or when she's running from him, and it's dark, and she's running through that field. I mean, there are some wonderful 
wonderful, beautifully shot scenes, but I don't know how much substance it really has. And then the story, if you well, Jackson, there's a lot of substances in that movie. I'm just saying. I mean, I was just, I was just <laughs> gonna say that that movie, what that movie is, is it's literally like you fed diamonds to a fucking dog and it shat them out. It's just some diamonds covered in shit now. <laughs> so you've got these beautiful shot scenes God, just surrounded Jesus. by nothing but shit. <laughs> the, the Cinema Slayers, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Massacre. Jesus, man. Wow. I don't, damn, that was, that was harsh. That, that might be the, the harshest, harshest thing, thing you've ever, you've said. ever said. Jesus, and, and I mean, harsh. I would put that against the entire Venom rant. That was better. That one <laughs> sentence. Who is better than the entire Venom Rat? Drinking, drinking, <laughs> drinking a uh, rye whiskey that hasn't aged at all, just right out of the barrel, is less harsh than what you just said. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that was harsh as fuck. Damn. It's just one of those things. I, I like all it's done is trick people into believing a stupid story. And <laughs> like I said, I give it credit for that because for whatever reason, people fucking believe it. But look it up, motherfuckers. Toby Hooper has even said it's based on Ed Gein. So guess what, motherfuckers? It's not real. There, I'm, Am I sure that there was some back-ass town that might have been feeding people chili made out of some other people? Yes, it's Texas. I 100% believe that happened. But <laughs> Sterling's making a lot of friends today. It's not because of this movie. Hey, people can say whatever they want. I'm actually drinking a Texas beer tonight. I'm not drinking Tecate. <laughs> I am drinking Shiner tonight. I've nice. been drinking Shiner. So I can say whatever the fuck I want about Texas right now because I'm drinking Shiner while I do it. And I will be honest, though, like it that the story and the idea of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the actions of the people and what they were doing. Honestly, it's super disturbing. And it's probably like it's one of those where as much as I like horror movies, I cannot rewatch that because it disturbs me so much so i will give it that much but that's that's about all i could say about it well and that's one thing i liked about the reboot more than i like the original is it agreed kind of yeah. streamlines it streamlines it down a little bit you still get the fucked up of the family you get the fucked up of the character get a lot of it yeah for sure you just don't have as much random other bullshit happening it kind of streamlines it a little bit i still don't like it <laughs> but it streamlines it for me and it makes it, it there's less shit on those diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's not just me that thinks that. So I feel better about that. Cause I thought maybe I was the only one that liked that part of the reboot better, but that's good to know. I'm not the only one who thinks yeah. that. No, it, like I said, it, it streamlines it. You still get the crazy, creepy, disturbed family aspect of it. You still get all the aspects of it that were, good about the first movie just with not all the other bullshit um but to to touch on this a little bit too just in case anybody doesn't know psycho um is also based on ed gein so that's another little thing the, the him putting on oh. the mom suit yes the mom suit aspect of it that's ed gein same with uh buffalo bill from silence of the lambs yes he's also based on ed gein anytime you see anybody wearing someone else's skin that's based on ed gein so jeepers creepers <laughs> yes that's Ed Gein too. sure we're, we're gonna say yes to that even though he was a weird lizard of these other movies though that I did want to talk about that we did bring, I did mention a little bit earlier was Scream I do love the first Scream movie mm -hmm. I think it's fantastic I love yeah. I love it way it kind of updated whole, like the slasher film for 
a slightly more modern audience. Um, Because, I mean, it's not like now where we have video phones and all this other stuff, but bringing a cell phone into it and that ubiquitous conversations you can have just with anybody. You can be somewhere and just call 911. I like the fact that they kind of addressed some of those things in that movie and it did modernize slasher films. It's like what I was saying about Candyman earlier, kind of reinvigorating slasher films and kind of keeping them going. I think Scream did the same thing in the late 90s. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, that's my second choice. That was going to be my next choice um, after Freddy or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, for sure. It's it really is one of those things like it's it's so good. I mean, I could watch Scream just all the time. I mean, I don't because I'm not insane, but I could, though. <laughs> it's if, any, if anybody was ever like, yeah, let's watch Scream. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's sit down and watch some Scream. Um, it, it really is super good. I like that. I like that it is slightly meta. It brings up some of the cliches in horror films mm-hmm. while also while also staying with them, though. Like it mentions them like, oh, that's dumb, but it still keeps with them. Yeah. And I like that. I like it's it's the little nod to the audience. It's as much of an homage as as much as it's a critique, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, kind of like Sean. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Shaun of the Dead. As much as it makes fun of zombie movies, it follows the rules of zombie movies to like to a T. Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly what Scream does. As much as Scream makes fun of horror movies and things that Wes Craven himself has done, it follows the rules of a horror movie to a T, with the exception of the little twist at the end. You know, with the whole losing her virginity and but still surviving thing. But that's fine. Like, because it was modernizing it. It's very much a modern concept where a virgin can still be okay. And it's um, maybe not as iconic, but it is very iconic. Like, everybody knows what the screen mask looks like. It was all the rage back then. I remember when it first came out, everybody was going to see Scream. Everybody was talking about mm-hmm. Scream. I mean, it was it was like the ultimate horror movie when it came out. It really was the breath of fresh air that the genre needed, you know. Definitely Even deserves that, to be know, on the list. that famous line, that famous line that everybody knows, the what's your favorite scary movie, you know. Yep. Like, Do just, you like it, scary movies? Right. Hello, Sydney. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Michael Myers with the music. It's the same thing with that, you know, the, yeah. that famous line from Scream. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, and I liked how the series as it went on went even a little bit more meta by having movies in that universe based on itself. Yeah. With the yeah. Series yeah. On yeah. Thing. I, I did. I loved that. I, I, I really do think it's great because then it justified why there were more of those masks running around. Because they were based on that movie and not necessarily yeah. the event. It's clever, yeah. I mean, it's it's just one of those things, like you said, it, it's got the iconicness of that. It's I also love how they do that the cold opens in it in a way like you would on a TV show where yeah. in the first one it was Drew Barrymore. Wasn't it Drew Barrymore? Yeah, it was Drew Barrymore. Yep. Yeah, it's Drew Barrymore in the first one. Where it's just like you don't you're just being introduced to this universe and you get right away to a horrific murder right off the bat. And it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Like you said, you yeah. get the, the iconic lines in that. You get that weird motivation, the sadisticness of being on the phone with that person and them seeing you and doing things mm-hmm. and not knowing where they're at because of cell phones and stuff like that. It was just a really clever way of doing that. And it really just it set the rules and the tone for the movie at the beginning of the movie in a way that is like like you were saying, Justin, like it was a breath of fresh air. It it broke some of the rules of the horror movies, but it set its own rules and it did it just right away. 
it let you know what it was doing in the first 30 seconds of the movie. You knew what this movie was. And it just kind of yeah. kept going with that as it went. And it was all dressed up in a whodunit murder mystery type of film. So it was just so much fun because you had, like you said, you had the horror tropes, you had the satire. It was entertaining throughout, perfectly casted. But then on top of that, you didn't, the, the twist at the end, it was fun. It was fun. It was neat. And that kind of became a thing when the other ones came out, trying to guess who the killer was this time, you know, and even if you were right, even if you knew it, it was still fun in the end. They, it was still just such a fun ride. I just, I just think the world of that film, you know, it definitely deserves to be on this list for sure. And I think that it it has, it, it's kind of a movie that started making people want to go see horror movies again in a way, at least newer generation, kind of like Sterling was saying it, it made that more of a, like, oh, I, I need to go see this now. You know, like it just made horror movies more um, appealing than they had been in the recent, you know, past before it. Yeah. See, and the funny thing is about that is like when The Ring came out, you know, everybody was making stupid jokes like a week after they saw The Ring, like, oh, well, I'm still alive and all this other stuff. But <laughs> for whatever reason, my parents decided to have morals around the time Scream came out. So for whatever reason, I got to see all these fucked up horror movies when I was a small child. But when I'm like a teenager, no, I can't go to the <laughs> theater and see Scream. But I ended up seeing Scream. And, and this was their was weird logic also is whenever it came out to be able to rent, I was able to rent Scream and watch it at home. That was fine. But no, going to a theater and seeing it when I'm a teenager. Oh, no, no. Um, but the bad problem was that this was probably the last time I was ever like kind of scared in a horror movie is I was watching Scream on VHS on a Saturday night when my parents were gone. I was in the house alone and I'm watching that movie. And about 10 minutes into that movie, the phone starts ringing. And Uh-oh. like at that point, like, no, that is incredibly terrifying. Like it made you scared of the fucking <laughs> phone. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> as ubiquitous as phones are, especially in our lives now, that movie made you afraid of your fucking phone. So I'm like sitting there and all of a sudden the phone starts ringing. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not answering that. That's going straight to like, that's going to the fucking answer. That motherfucker is going to murder my answering machine, not me. Cause I'm watching this movie. I'm not going to answer it. I can't tell him what my favorite horror movie is yet. Cause I have to finish this movie first and it was good so far. So I wanted to finish it. Um, but no, that was, that was incredibly scary though. Like when you're just in there and it's fucking dark and I'm like, I think 14 at the time. And all of a sudden, I'm in this house alone. It's dark, and I'm watching this movie for the first time, and that fucking phone starts ringing. I'm like, I've already fucking seen somebody die from this. Like, I'm not fucking going anywhere near a fucking telephone for at least a day because I was 14, you know. So I was definitely going to be on the phone the next day. But sure, like it was just one of the things that, like, like the fact that it was able to do that at that point. I, I I do give it credit for being able to do that, making some people scared of their fucking phones, even if it was just for a fucking second. Like that first time your phone rings after watching that movie, you're just like kind of staring at it like, do I answer you? The fact that it's able to do that, I give yeah. it a ton of credit. Yeah. Anybody want to bring up any of these other movies? Anybody want to tell me why I'm wrong on Child's Play or Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I'm not. <laughs> you're only the one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other than that, so I think we've kind of like, I mean, I think we narrowed it down. I mean, Candyman's the best. I'm glad we settled that today, guys. Uh, but other than that, guys, thank <laughs> you for listening to us. <laughs> Go to cinemaslayers.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Twitter at cinema underscore slayers, cinema slayers on Instagram. 
Uh, if you go to our website, you can go to our Threadless store and check out some really awesome merch. They are adding new things. But there are stickers. We may be adding shoes to that. I haven't decided yet. We may be adding shoes to that. Um, we also have this really awesome contest. Write a review around 300 words. Kind of keep it clean because it will be officially posted on the website. Um, but we're going to pick you know three winners from all the entrants uh, we get. Uh, first prize gets their review on the website. You get a hoodie. You get a shirt. And you get to come be a guest on the Super Awesome Podcast. Second prize is a t-shirt, a hoodie, and your review goes on the website. And third place, you get a shirt, and your review still goes up on the website. We love hearing from you guys. Let us know. Let us know what you thought about our, our us bringing it up. And I am talking to you, Chase. I want you to talk about my specific points I brought up on Candyman because you trashed my movie. That's not cool, bro. I'm going to come at you because Candyman is a shit. Other than that, guys... <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.